Hey, what's up out there? This is uh, Japan Nick starting off the night. We've got a uh, band Shadowplay in the house. Now, um, tell me, what are your names and what position do you play? And also, tell me about the guys that are in the bathroom, too. Whoa, guys in the bathroom. I don't know if that's safe for the radio. But um, I'm Andrew Corkery. I'm the lead singer of Shadowplay. I am Dan Holden. I am the lead guitarist of Shadowplay. And then John, who is the bass player, keyboardist, guitarist, multi-instruments for... Uh, Shadow play and our other guitar player and bassist Ed is there both in the bathroom. Yes, they will be in here very shortly. Okay. This is a very nice new studio you guys have, by the way. I know you, people can't see that over the radio, but I would just like to comment on that. Yeah, um, we're really happy to uh, being in something with this much uh, improvement. Yeah. For uh, MSU, but anyways, though. You just finished up a campaign to raise money for uh, your Sandy Eyes song. Yeah. About how much money did you raise, and what do you plan on doing with this money? Um. Yeah. So we raised like about uh, fifteen hundred bucks. Um. So pretty happy with that. Um. Definitely fifteen hundred dollars we didn't have before we did that. So um. That works out a lot. And um. Yeah. So the Hurricane Sandy um is the you know kind of messed up new jersey there uh, a few months back and uh so we decided to write a song called sandy eyes and all the money all the funds raised from the sales of that single um go towards hurricane sandy relief fund and then um what we're doing is we're supporting the song on the tour so the the kickstarter i'm sorry the, the indiegogo money yeah will go towards the funding of the tour to support the song so more people hear the song more people will buy it and then the more people, you know, get helped for the, through the Sandy Relief money that we raise. Now, what type of um, foundation is this that you're donating money to? Like, what do you think they're going to be putting the money towards? Like, Right. It's uh, basically, it's the Hurricane Sandy Relief Foundation. And um, they put money towards, uh, you know, getting people back into their homes, um, fixing the infrastructure that was damaged during the hurricane, and... Uh, you know, various types of things like that, too. Um, if people need money, like FEMA gave out money to a bunch of people who were, um, uh, you know, put in an improper situation, you know, because of the hurricane and all that. And, uh, you know, the Hurricane Sandy Relief Foundation kind of helps to assist those people further as well, too. So a little bit of everything. Now, for this um, tour that you're going to uh, go on, about how many different cities are you planning on hitting? And Give a few words about these cities. Um, yeah, so we're going to be playing in, I would say, probably about uh, 13 different cities and towns on the tour. Um, and a lot of them, mostly all of them are in the Midwest. Um, so anywhere between Ohio, um, Pittsburgh, which is kind of like the East Coast still, but and then you go over into St. Louis or play in Rolla, Missouri, play in a few dates in Michigan. Um, St. Louis. So um, we're definitely spreading out a little bit and uh, kind of hitting the places that kind of dug our music the most the last time we were touring as a band, too. When do you think you'll be able to hit the South? Like, say, New Orleans? New Orleans would be cool. Um, we actually played a few dates in the South before and um, went pretty decent. It was just um, we felt like the Midwest was really who responded mm. to our music the most. So we just figured we'd get out there and play some more shows for those people for sure. What type of clubs do you enjoy hitting in uh, the Chicago area? Chicago area or just like the Midwest in general? Chicago first, then the Midwest. Okay. Um, well, 
we actually didn't play in Chicago like the last time we played. We played this place mm-hmm. called The Last Shot, which is in South Elgin, uh, mm-hmm. Illinois. And um, that place was pretty cool. I mean, they had like a couple of local openers play for us uh, before we had played. And, um, you know, everyone was really kind of, I guess, in a drunken state of mind by the time we performed. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that makes everything more fun. And then um, they kept asking us to play. And then I remember the last... Uh, song. They're like, no, play one more song. And then they wanted the sound guy to play a song with us, and they wanted him to play Killing the Name of by Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> so, and then the bar owner comes up to us, and she's like, we'll give you an extra 20 bucks if you guys play Killing the Name of Rage Against the Machine with this, our sound guy. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we had him rock out on drums, and we're like, all right, Kyle, you can take a seat for a minute, and then had him play, and uh, got ourselves another 20 bucks, and um, afterwards, they bought us a pizza. So, and it worked, and you know we got paid for the show, and it was it was a good time. Um, I'd I'd say I like that place. Wow. Now, with the new songs that your band has come up with, about how many like shovel ready songs do you have? You mean like ready to play? You talking about? Yes. Um, I guess we'd have to define what a new song is for us. I mean, if we've been playing it for like a couple months, do you guys want to comment on that at all? Do you want to comment on that? The what? the fact that. What, how many songs, how many new songs do you think we'll be playing while we're on the tour? Mm, new songs? Yeah, new songs. Yeah, mostly new songs, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of them... Play, we don't really play much from... Can you guys come over to the mics? Yeah, sorry about that. We don't really play as much from our record as much as we play stuff that we haven't recorded yet. So, like a lot of new stuff. We have a couple songs that we really want to be done with by the time we go on tour so that'll be even more even more uh, new stuff yeah. I, mean, I mean we still play stuff off the record you know yeah just not as much as uh, just not as much as the as, as the, the new newer stuff. stuff yeah well pretty much with me I view anything after uh, you came to MSU uh, last time oh okay um I'd say we have a few new songs since the last time we played wouldn't you say yeah we have um we're working on this song called Say That You're Down and we're gonna start playing that on the tour and doing that uh, song. It's kind of like, reminds me of like a blues kind of song in a way. Um, it has a lot of piano in it and it's um, it's really cool. I dig it and looking forward to playing that. We also have a song called Zach Likes Trains, which we're going to start playing Woo. soon. Wait, Woo. Wait, <laughs> is there a Zach in this band? No. No, not not currently. <laughs> no, there was a Zach in this band. A long, is this long like a ago. diss to Zach or something? Or oh, no. Is this not a different no. Zach you're speaking of? Not at all. This is an homage to Zach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This uh, Zach is one of our best friends, and he used to play bass for our band, like back when we, when we really weren't called Shadow Play. Was he in our band when we were called Shadow Play at one point? I don't think so, actually. No. No. Yeah. So he was in like you know a few bands back <laughs> in the maturation process <laughs> of the band. So um, he's a good friend. Uh, Ed, I guess how would you describe Zach Lake's trains? Um. Zach likes trains. Uh, you gotta okay. turn it on, I think. Okay. Um, Zach likes trains is. Um, hmm. Well, I was listening to a lot of like post rock type music, which is like Mogwai and like Stereo Lab and um, bands like that. So like I don't know, but it's a lot more like poppy than like most of those bands. So I mean, I guess it's kind of like something like that, you know. It's it's kind of futuristic sounding, you know. 
Which just reminds me of just like, you know, like just progressive like, like technology and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's yeah. it's it's a different stylistic. I mean, the reason it's called Zach Likes Trains is the main guitar line that's played throughout the song. When I first uh, played it, it reminded me of a train, and uh, whenever I think of trains, I think of our friend Zach because Zach likes trains. <laughs> so I just kind of like put the two and two together. But it's definitely a new um, stylistic element for for the band in terms of our sound and our music. So definitely excited about that. Now, with this the Sandy Eye song, yeah. Are you going to um, release this on like a uh, just a one shot song thing, or you picking any B sides for it? Um, I guess for right now we're having it as a one side song, but I believe it's going to be part of the album that we're going to be doing and start recording in uh, the end of December and January. So that'll be the second record uh, that we do, and we're recording that at. Uh, uh, in Philadelphia at Cedar Sound Studios. So we're uh, looking forward to doing that. And that's with Ted Richardson. And he's the one that produced the song with us, Sandy Eyes. And really like the way it came out so far. And it's just, you know, the recording quality has stepped up a notch from like the last record and from the stuff we did prior to that. So I feel like it's going in the right direction. And I'm looking forward to working on some new music with him. And uh, for right now, it's just kind of like a one off song. We, really just kind of want to raise awareness about you know the cause you know helping sandy relief because there really is still like a lot of people who are affected by that it's just not really covered as much by the media and um also at the same time you know allow our band to be like the conduit through which like good things can happen through was this a very easy or a difficult song for you guys to write um i um i have it was pretty easy as far as most of my songs go, actually. Um, it's, uh, now, what position do you play? Lead guitar. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I, the actual song itself I had written a long time ago. I guess I had more problem writing the lyrics for the song because I, I wrote the actual music for this particular song long before Hurricane Sandy actually happened, and I was struggling, I guess, with the lyrics for it, and then once the hurricane happened, I thought that this would be a good fit. Mm. Like for the song and it, that that those came out like really easily after the hurricane happened yeah, i think for a while there we were you know toying with the with the song and yeah you know seeing how it could fit in and just you know it wasn't really like fitting right totally like you know all the pieces weren't coming together and then once that happened and we started like you know working on it and thinking of ideas to you know help other people and like help the band and stuff like that it just kind of flowed a little bit better you know what were some of the things that you thought you could use the song for before, San- I mean, Hurricane Sandy happened? I guess before Hurricane Sandy happened, it wasn't really done, so we just thought it would be like another, you know, song yeah, that we'd song. have, you know? Yeah. It wasn't really intended for anything. And, and yeah, it just before the hurricane happened, it was kind of like, it felt always felt like it was missing something, I don't know, like something to actually be about. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really feel like it had meaning, and now I feel like it has like the meaning that kind of like justifies its, you know, existence, yeah. I guess. Pretty much with this next album, are you trying to write with subjects that have real meaning to each of you guys? I mean, I guess that's always the intent when you, mm-hmm. you know, when I when write music. But um, certain songs, I guess, are less serious than others and take on a vast array of topics and such. But um, yeah, I feel like we're trying to, you know, really develop the sound of the band and bring in new elements to our music and. Mm-hmm. 
um, all the bands I really enjoy listening to are, are bands that, you know, progress throughout their duration as a band together. And uh, I feel like that's like the next step, just developing the sound and then uh, incorporating new sounds into the music too. So that's kind of like where we're at right now. And it's pretty exciting, like hearing a bunch of the new songs that we're working on and practicing and getting ready to play for the tour. And, um, you know, we'll be recording in the winter. So, Well, on that note, are you guys uh, ready to uh, play uh, an acoustic version of Sandy Eyes? Um, yeah, I guess you just got to take like a minute to set everything up. So if you want to ask like me some questions while they set up, we can do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, because I sing, so I'm, yeah. all, I'm all set up right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you um, thinking about for the second single after Sandy Eyes drops? Um, well, we just really have Sandy Eyes for right now, and then um, what we're planning on doing. What we're planning on doing with the record is, um, as we're recording the record, we'll release you know a song or two songs every you know within every couple of months while we're working on the record, until all the songs on the record are out, and then just you know then we'll have all the songs together on one compiled album, you know. So um, just kind of like releasing single by single while we're recording the record. So it's a little bit of a different strategy than some other bands do like a lot of times like you record the whole record and then you just release singles from the record and while the record's already out but since it costs like so much money to record all the songs and stuff like that our our goal is to really like to get everything out of the promotional process of releasing the music by just recording a song or two here and there each like month or something like that and then releasing them after that month and having them online for people to stream and listen to and then you know, get a real f- feel for where the album's going and just keep wanting more songs. And then that way we can, like, develop the music a little bit more, you know. Do you imagine that the songs on these early singles will be exactly the same as when your album drops some months from now? What do you mean? Like, like the mixing and stuff like that will be the same? Um, Yeah, like, will everything be the same come when you have the actual... Sophomore album to shadow play in your hands, or will there I be would, some differences? I would say that everything would be the same. I mean, of course, you know, when the record's not complete, you can always tweak with it a little bit. But well, the way we're going to be doing it is we're going to be, you know, laying down all the basic tracks to the songs when we mm. first go into the studio, and then having you know a full like two days to do that, and then afterwards going song by song, session by session, until we get two songs done here. Okay, those two songs are done. We'll release those two songs, and then those songs will be mixed and mastered then, while the other ones won't be mixed and mastered yet, and we'll have everything polished on them. So those are the songs we'll keep building towards. So every couple, of, every month or so, we'll release like a new, a new song. So that way, you know, it'll really just like kind of evolve, and like people will get like a taste for the sound, and then just keep you know coming back for more, as, as opposed to just releasing it all at once, you know. So I feel like it it'll be a good thing. And I, I feel like they will be mixed the same, you know, yeah. they, because when we, re, whenever we release like whatever song that is like, you know, it'll be mixed and mastered before yeah. we release those, that song or those two songs. You know what I mean? I see. Yeah. Oops. A little bit different, but I feel like it, it'll be interesting take on, you know, releasing music and maybe we can, you know, help convince some other bands to do kind of like a similar thing. Yeah. Um, I've been reading online that it seems like that's the way, um, things are moving forward with the most semi-established bands where it's like if you actually have like 
a song ready to go. Right. You should just release it then and there. Right. And actually get something out of it immediately rather than... Right, yeah. I, I think that is a kind of an interesting strategy, but I, I feel it's important to keep the integrity of the album yeah. um, in place. It's just, if you can keep the integrity of the album in place, like, you know, while releasing song after song, like a single, and then have people get a taste for whatever that music is while the album's coming out, I feel like that's something interesting and new that you can provide your fans with to keep them engaged in whatever you're doing, you know? Because that's really the end of the end all be all is just keeping your fans and those who support you engaged with your music and whatever it is you're the, you're doing as a band and as an artist if it be you know a cause you associate yourself with or any kind of um touring you're doing or music or videos or anything like that so now will these all be digital only releases or will there be any cd releases um i feel like they would probably as they come out you know song by song they would be um, digital for okay. people to stream online and possibly buy online as well. Yeah. And then uh, after that, once the physical, once the actual record is completed, we've completed, you know, recording all of the songs, then we'll release a physical CD with album art and, you know, all that cool stuff. I see. Yeah. Now, so it's kind of like a little bit of different take on it. And would you imagine every single single you release will end be will end up being on this album or do you think there'll be any like lost tracks where it's just you know maybe it doesn't fit on the album i guess we'll have to see like once we get to that point i mean certainly that's, that's always a possibility but i feel like all the songs that we would spend the time and the money to record would be ones that are we feel beforehand would fit well on the album you know what what do you want the theme of this sophomore album to be john do you kind of want to talk about that a little bit john Is his mic working? Ah, uh, yes, yes. It is? Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. You can, okay. Yep. Um, themes. Uh, so, so I guess it kind of runs through a lot of different themes. I mean, lyrically, the songs are, I'd say a lot of them are very introspective in that they kind of analyze uh, the, like the things that move you in your life and the things that cause your ups and downs. And, um, and what do you think? Yeah, I feel like... Uh, in terms of the themes, it, it definitely has a lot lot more of a richer feeling to it and a lot more, um, you know, deep I mean, a, a lot of them were meanings written, to it. Uh, during times of kind of uh, depression and anxiety. So I think they, they deal with the, the coping of that, I think, yeah. a lot of them in uh, their content. It kind of gets to, like, you know, this... Not necessarily like, you know, the struggles that we deal with like every day, but, you know, these struggles that you have like in your mind, like over time that, you know, more like philosophical kind of things, like a little bit more, like, more so than just like a specific thing, you know, overcoming things, you know, right. Um, and, and for me, I like, I like the music, like the lyrics themselves to have strong imagery attached to it so that, that like there, there might be a specific theme, you know, a specific feeling that I was having at the time that I wrote the song but I tried to go about it so that it's like a, a metaphor with a bigger image attached to it so that it's more interesting and it creates a more like colorful picture in your head when you're listening to the song yeah because like everyone says all the time you know pictures are a thousand words so like I feel like if you can bring that out in your music and give people a picture with a word then that's something that you kind of that we're kind of striving for as a band to really connect with people and to 
have them understand what, you know, we're trying to say and have them relate to it in some manner, you know. Okay, now, you guys uh, ready to uh, play a song or two? I, I, I believe so. We have some sort of, like, interference thing. Is it your phone, Ed? It's probably my phone. Okay, yeah, that's probably what it is. Okay. All right, this is our song. Ready when you are. Sandy Eyes, which you can check out the music video for on our website, shadowplayrockandroll.com, and uh, also stream the song on our website as well. Thinking about this mess we're in When looking at the future There's a haze in the sky And all I know is human nature As I walk down this pier Of forgotten memories I can still vaguely hear The winds of diversity And now that the storm has passed We find it hard to believe That we can rebuild this past Rebuild this ocean soon and we'll just have to wipe the sand away from our eyes Oh, it won't be easy I can't help thinking about how life can be Such a roller coaster swept out to sea by the winds of diversity as I walk down these shores of forgotten memories I can't tell anymore if there's hope to believe And now that the storm has passed We find it hard to believe That we can rebuild this past Rebuild this ocean city And we'll just have to wipe the sand Away from our eyes Oh, it won't be easy past we find it hard to believe that we can rebuild this past rebuild this ocean city and we'll just have to wipe the sand away from our eyes though it won't be easy and we'll just have to wipe the sand like a hurricane will this land just have to wipe the sand away from our eyes and we'll just have to wipe the sand Yeah, 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 yeah 
So that was our um, new single for Hurricane Sandy Relief entitled Sandy Eyes. Um, we're also involved in this competition called um, Summer Shore Sound Off. And I don't know if you guys have heard anything about the, um, uh, you know, how New Jersey always promotes their Stronger Than the Storm campaign with this Stronger Than the Storm song. I guess they're figuring out that people like are getting annoyed with hearing that song, so they, they want to get a band from New Jersey to have their song be the new Stronger Than the Storm campaign song. So currently we're involved in a contest, which you can go vote for us at. Uh, there's a link to it on our website, shadowplayrockandroll.com. And uh, you can actually log in and vote every day, and if we win, uh, we get to open up for a um, prominent New Jersey artist on the Jersey Shore at the end of the summer. So if you want to check that out, it's, um, you know, Stronger Than the Storm Sandy Relief Contest. Just go on our website. <laughs> now, can you, like, vote in, like, a browser like Firefox and then close that and open up Opera and then vote for you guys again and then close uh, that? And I, I think you have to make a new email. If yeah, you have, like, you have, if you have 17 different emails, you're, you're good. I mean, you can get 17 votes in a day. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you do, but if anyone out there has, you know, you know two or three emails, you can get two or three votes a day. And... um be really cool you know we'll get to open up for a national artist down the jersey shore at the end of the summer and um if we get picked if we get in the top five voting which we're number six i think right now so if we crack in the top five we get judged by a panel of uh industry judges from all from new jersey and um they decide you know if we get to play the jet or not now what are you talking about like people like from new jersey like Bon Jovi or Bruce Springsteen. They don't say, you know. Monster I, I think, Magnet. I, th- I think they want to keep that on the hush hush, you know. I don't, I don't know because they they haven't announced the artists that were that we would be opening up for anyway yet. So if we win the contest, so um, so there'd di- be five winners. Uh no, there would be you know between the top five uh, people who get the most votes, um, there would be you know the industry judges would pick who gets it, you know who who gets to be on the bill. So, but. They have the power. It's in their hands. But right now, the power is in the people's hands. If you vote for us, we can get in that top five. Okay. But that's the plug. We'll play the music now. Are we going to play another song? You want us to play the yeah, song? Sh- right. shoot another one. Uh, Nick, were you able to hear the guitars all right? Yes, yes. Because uh, I'm doing, like, picking parts. I wasn't sure if that's going to come over the strum. Um, yeah, just lower your... Uh, yeah, just lower your mic a little your, bit. Uh, guitar. Yep. Get as close to the mics as you can, guys. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how you're going to do that, but just make <laughs> We have it a bass amp in here, so that's kind of crazy. Just move the uh, chairs around or something. Um, I don't know. Like... All right, what's, what song would you like to do? We're going to play another song. What is this song called? You want to do Boys Fantasy? Sure. Okay. Um, this song is a song we've been playing for like, I guess, a year and a half, two years, something like that. And uh, it's most likely going to be on the next record. It's called Boys Fantasy. Oh, damn, every day that I wake up, fears been my nails to the nub. Time and time again I look to God Maybe He's there but it's not enough 
A few of these kids are waiting for me out in the courtyard Trying for my way through the pain and the scars Won't be afraid as I walk down these halls I walk down these halls and I look them in the eyes Before I kill them all And every tell who's facing I see through my veins Nothing much of a human remains Breaking down my walls Every day through the mud and the blood I crawl Through my veins Nothing much of a human remains Now in my veins Nothing much of a human remains Breaking down my walls Every day through the mud and the blood I crawl Seen through my veins Nothing much of a humor remains Breaking down my walls Every day through the mud and the blood I crawl Back in my room and touch my swollen pride For my scorching feeds on the feeds on feeds on Tears I've cried In me some evil secrets it confides Oh it's the ribs of corpses of those who died Tells me exactly what I want to hear Evil's voice like a hummingbird Zips and dark and thick as love Call on the turn of every word Help from below but not from above Calls and answers We do when the problems and pain But of course it serves on purposes first Like me I follow easy and pain Evil's voice like a hummingbird Deception dark and thick as love Call on the turn of every word Help from below but not from above Calls and answers We do win the problems and pain But of course the service on purposes first Blindly I follow easy and vain
the blood I crawl is seen through my veins. Nothing much of you remains. Breaking down my walls every day till I'm in the blood I crawl. So that was our song, Boys Fantasy. Tell me about the inspiration for this track. The one, the one we just played? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, uh, I guess it was, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, it's about a kid who's uh, abused in school. And um, I guess it's somewhat inspired by like the the shootings that have happened in Columbine and things of that nature. And just basically it's, it's, um, what happens is a, a demon comes to him and, and, you know, basically gives him the answers to his problems, but they're, they're not the right answers, you know? So that's, it's kind of like a metaphor for that. Right. You what are these wrong answers that you're alluding to? Exactly what the people at Columbine and other schools did, you know? Yeah. Those kind of things where like, they feel like there's no option left in their life that's... Other than to, to hurt other themselves than to hurt and other, other people. people. Yeah. So I think that's key, and, you know, a lot of times there's people in our society that are, you know, marginalized in every mm-hmm. facet of life, and, um, you know, it's really important to give people the power to, um, you know, take dominion over their own lives and give something that they're passionate about and that they can share with other people and really become empowered individuals. So that's, I think it's an important message to get out there. Did you have another question, or do you want us to play some more music? <laughs> no, no, I was just um, a little bit uh, amazed by that answer. Um, oh. <laughs> were you in a good way or in a bad yeah, way? <laughs> um, in a good way. Like, uh-huh. do you hope like you'll actually reach people, or is this more of like kind of like just a reflection on how you see the world? Well, um, I th- I think you can't really have one and not have the other. You know, I mean, yeah, you're you're. Uh, like as an artist, as a musician, you're trying to create something. You are basically just a reflection of your environment, and that's I, I'm writing about what I'm seeing. I think we're all writing about what we see and what we experience. But at the same time, through that, I think you you are getting a message out, and that you are interacting with people, and hopefully, you know, giving them a heads up about things that are going on. You know, things that are important to you that maybe they haven't thought about, right. or you know, it's important to always be you know on the lookout for you know, things in life that maybe people don't entirely understand and to try to get the full understanding of different things out to out to people, you know, you know, on a variety of different topics and issues. To make a song? What's that? In order to make another song? or uh, I mean... It's defi- I think it's part of it. Yeah, it's I mean, definitely part I of it. I think that's part of any art form is really what you're... You're trying to understand yourself as a human being and trying to understand what it means to be human, what it, what it means to to feel the things that we feel and to think the things that we think and to to live among other people who are, you know, a lot of times are very different, but also the similarities are there as well. And you're, right. you're trying to understand those and you're trying to, you know, uh, just make things make more sense. And, and that's, I think, what most artists do in their, their art is to try to express something that they don't know how to express otherwise and hopefully reach people through it. Yeah. Andrew, how are you trying to keep the topic of Hurricane Sandy inside uh, people's minds because I feel like just with pop culture it's just like oh you know we saw you guys uh, your whole state got messed up but you know 
15 minutes has passed, so right, you know, we yeah. should move on to another issue. How do you keep right. the uh, tragedy and also the importance of uh, helping these people inside uh, the uh, eyes uh, the, of everybody? I would, I would say that the um, – if you want to talk, Dan. Yeah, okay. there's still – there's still people that can't get into their homes. I think that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there. Maybe it's not known or whatever, but there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, haven't been able to get in their home, and it's been a really long time. It was in the fall that happened. Right. So, I mean, that's just... What are these people supposed to be doing then? Or, I mean, what are these people actually doing Right. if exactly. they can't get into their homes? They're struggling. They're struggling to yeah. survive and, and live and, you know... Are they on the streets? It, yeah, I'm sure there's cases of that, you know. Yeah, with, with definitely. relatives, you know. I guess. Yeah, with relatives and, yeah. and putting the burden on other people, you know, in their yeah. family and, uh, you know, their friends and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like in terms of getting it out there and the message, and I feel like it's really important to um, make sure that people do know that people are still struggling with that because, unfortunately, the you know, the media is focused on a knee-jerk reaction, you know, 15 minutes of fame type of mentality. So, yeah. you know, it gets out there and people know about it and then, Next second, there's something else, you know, because it's, you know, it's an industry. They make money, so they want to keep people engaged, you know, with, with new things that are currently happening all the time. But I feel like that does a disservice to, you know, really solving really paramount issues in our society. So I, I think that it's important that we highlight these issues that are currently still going on that, you know, people do really need help, you know. And um, we just want to be the vehicle through which we can help those people and, uh you know, if we get some recognition with the band too, like you know, that's great. So it's a win-win. Okay, now, Andrew, tell me, what is? Okay, hold on one second. What Got does it. it mean for you to be a, ma- a founding member of a band? Mm, I mean, it certainly means that you take dominion over something in your life. You know, this is something that's really important to you know all of us who are in the group. So, and especially someone who works to fa- found something i mean if i feel like a lot of times people go through their life and don't really you know own anything take ownership over any kind of um thing that they want them to be theirs and they they see as something bigger than themselves and something bigger than you know who they are as a person and what what it is that they're doing so um reminds me of uh the fleet foxes song what's that um helplessness blues where he says uh I, I was raised up believing like I was unique, but but after some thinking, I'd I'd rather be like a cog in a machine working for something beyond me. You know? Right. Yeah. That's I, I think in a way the band's sort of like that. You know, you're only an individual person, but if you join together with other people, you can you can do things and and change things. You know. Right. Yeah. And get you know these messages out like what we're talking about, but not only that. You know, share some music and allow people some relief on like whatever they're going through as well and maybe look at their situation differently and help themselves. So I feel like it's it's undoubtedly changed me as a person, you know, being in the band and, you know, it's given me a drive that I don't think I would have had if I wasn't able to put it through a, a vehicle. You know, like this is a vehicle to be driven through, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, no pun intended, but that's what it is. So um, I think that's really important in terms of, you know, who I am as a person and who I've become as a person and, you know, who I'll be and the things I'll help change and affect in the future. So I think that's a good issue. Does anybody else have anything to uh, add? you have anything to add about that, John? 
uh, about being in yeah about being in the band and you know uh, anything like that. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I, I can't express what you're saying, just how much it, it really is like a vehicle. You know, in your right. life, it, it yeah. gives you it gives you purpose to have something. It gives you it gives you a good feeling to know that you have other people to rely on that are equally a part of something that you want. You know, and that it it, it gives you purpose. I'd say it gives you stability. It makes you feel more grounded in that you're doing something you know for a reason right yeah and i i think actually our music kind of deals with that sometimes uh you know purpose of life reason um you know. right i mean we definitely make a lot of reference to that um i feel like it's really important for people to um find what's important to them within uh their own understanding like i have a phrase that i like to say it's called people ask me you know do you believe in god and I say, yeah, I believe in G-O-D. And then they're like, okay, so you believe in God. And I tell them, yeah, G-O-D, good orderly direction. So that's 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 the way I could kind of like approach life. I mean, I don't know if I believe in God or not, but I, I believe in that, you know. So I think that's motivating people and having people have their own self-actualization of what it is that they believe in within their own understanding. I feel like that's important, and that's something that I extract try to stress when I play music, you know what I mean? Try to let everything out and have people see it, you know? Now, thinking back on uh, recording your album Visions, about how many tracks did you have left over that didn't make it to the album? I'd say none. I'd say none, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we had any tracks that were left over, actually. <laughs> Was there any songs that you, you weren't able to do anything with? or no, just We didn't record any. I see. That the, I mean, we have songs that we didn't, we're not using anymore. I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. A better way to put it. But they've also faded or phased out of the the live repertoire as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like you know, when I see bands play, you know, like bands I really like, like huge name acts and stuff, and like they play, you know, like oh man, I want them to play like all the stuff of their first record, <laughs> and being in a band like, I think I f- totally finally understand like why they don't play everything off of their first record or explain don't do anything well just because like you know not that you get sick of the music but i mean you want to develop as an artist you don't want to stay in one paradigm of what your music is supposed to be you know i feel like if you're truly an artist you should you should take the initiative to actually develop you know like i don't ever want to reach a time period in Shadowplay's existence where we're like all right this is good. We've done everything. <laughs> this is good. You know, like that yeah. that defeats the point of art. Like I feel like you should always be like you should be always like, all right, what's the next thing we want to do? Like like even in terms of like an industry mindset, like, okay, like we did this tour, like what's the next thing we want to do after this tour? Like we do we want to open up for people? Like what what's the next thing that we want to do? And it's the same thing like with actual music. Like what's like the next thing that you want to like achieve like musically? Like yeah. what sounds you want to incorporate? Like what influences you? Like what messages do you want to get out, you know? Thinking on your Kickstarter campaign, do you feel like it's the best compromise to signing with a label that there is because you get money financed by your fans and also you keep the copyrights to your music as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it depends on who you are as an artist and, you know, what the exact opportunity is, you know. I don't ever feel like there's an answer for, you know, one specific answer for anything in the music industry, you know, like it's just... It's it's a industry that's constantly 
evolving in a way that a lot of other industries are kind of grounded in their pragmatic nature. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that's like not totally set in stone all the time. Certainly there are rules, you know, and there are, you know, I guess statutes of music industry and whatnot. But I, I think that's, you know, kind of different, you know, now, if that answers the question, I kind of like went off on a side tangent there for a second, but (laughs) hold on one minute. Um, well, I guess, do you feel like it's better to sign with, like, a label if, like, you actually have, like, maybe an album or two under your belt and you actually can say, you know, we actually have some terms right. that we're going to uh, make for you? Right. Um, yeah, that's definitely the way you want to work it. You know, like, you, do, you don't really want them catching you in a disadvantaged position, uh, so to speak. I mean, you want to have... Uh, ownership stake in your art. You know what I mean? You don't want someone else owning your stuff entirely. I mean, there's a difference between owning, you know, a certain amount of like, uh, you know, publishing rights as opposed to, you know, actual copyright ownership of the music is something totally different. You know what I mean? Well, explain what the difference is. Well, I mean, the ownership rights is like anything that they, you know, they sell the music and they make like all, they would make all the money off of selling the music because they have the copyright to the music. Or if they want to like do anything with that music, they can do whatever they want because they own the music. Publishing rights and stuff like that, if they take a certain percentage of it, then if you get featured in a commercial or something like that, the label for hooking you up with that publishing deal will take a certain amount, which, I mean, that's business. That's that's fair. That's just depending on what that amount is. But um, I feel like you know there's some way that people can work together, and I feel like it's unfortunate that sometimes... Some record labels take advantage of bands, and you know some others don't. You know, I think that uh, with the with the way the industry is going now, like people are able to develop their own fan base and following, and are able to like manage themselves to the point where it can sustain itself. While that takes a lot of work, yeah, that's extremely like a huge amount of work to do. But if you can get it to that point, then you can go to someone, and then you're making money on your own, and then they can be like, okay. You know, we can put some more money into this so we can actually, like, you know, you can develop as a band and get seen and heard by more people. And that's really the kind of position you want to be in, you know. So if if they're adding something to the table and they're not, you know, taking away all of your rights as a band and as a musician, then that's something to talk about, you know, at that point, you know. It's just like people back in the day, like, they were kind of like the the gatekeepers to music, so to speak. Like, if you weren't on a record label, then, you know, no one heard about your music. And now there's lots of indie bands who are on, like, either small independent labels or totally, like, independent themselves and sustain themselves as musicians and just do everything like that, you know? It's hard work, but if you really believe in it and you want to do it and you want to take total ownership of the process, you know, it can be done. Now, are you moving towards an area where uh, you want to get your music onto soundtracks of like movies or maybe like featured in like maybe a TV show here yeah. or there. <laughs> what what do you awesome. think you yeah. need to do to be able to actually make that happen? Um, I mean, just, it's really all about just connecting yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of times it's just like a game of chance. Like, you know, you just, you just happen to meet some person and then some person knows some other person and then you're good. You know, like it's just, it kind of happens like that. And if you can just constantly keep getting yourself out there and making wise decisions about where you want to put yourself and where you want to be around and who you want to be associated with, then 
I think that eventually things will start to fall in your favor. You just have to work at it. And that's really like the key with music. It's like with any other job you can have ever, like at the end of the day, you're like guaranteed like, you know, like a paycheck and, you know, you can go home and like, you know, sit at your house and whatnot. With music, it's like kind of like you have to like put everything on the table and then still like put more into it. You know what I mean? And there's like so many different facets of music, but being said, I feel like there are some advantages to being on a, a record label, you know, as opposed to not being on a record label. It just really depends on whatever situation you're in as a band and what the offer is and, you know, how that situation will work itself out and the people involved, you know, how committed they are. What does it mean to get um, your, your, I mean, your band um, published or publicized in like a magazine, say it like The Aquarian or revolver or maybe something internationally yeah i mean that's definitely like a next step for a band in terms of people knowing about them and uh getting some press and starting to turn some heads uh i feel like that's you know the press is still really important in what they do and a lot of people don't don't think that that's the truth because everyone can have access to everything now you know so um because of the internet and they're able to just look everything up but there's still a place for people delivering an audience to an issue or a message or content you know what i mean content still exists i mean it will always exist it's just the medium through which it goes through is changed i see now let's talk about um touring for a minute yeah what type of uh expenses do you need to be aware of before you go on a tour oh god (laughs) anyone want to take that I'll, I guess I'll. What? Gas, food, more gas. More gas. Sleep, yeah. Trailer, trailer. Sleep. Trailer. Stuff. Our merch. Yeah. Our equipment. Our our. Band Bring stuff. your merch. Sell your merch. Try to find someone who can help you book a tour and get a couple guarantees so you can at least get a couple hundred bucks out of it. When you first start touring, you really just. Just accept the fact that you're not going to make money when you first start touring, and that's like that's the first step. Like you know, how you have like let's twelve. Over that hump you, ha- you have like twelve step process to like getting over addiction and all this. Like let's go through like the two or three step process to going on tour. Okay, first, first step. Okay, you're not going to make money first of all. Okay, so <laughs> let's just get over that hurdle real quick. If you break even, you made it, dude. You break even on a show, or you like make a couple dollars. You know, it's time to, like, give yourselves a pat on the back because that was a good time, you know. But, um, yeah, and then just just be really diligent, diligent about, you know, following up with the people at the show and making sure you know about your music. Because when you go out on tour, like, just make sure whoever sees you has the ability to be in contact with you for the next time you go on tour. So one of the things we try to do, like, you know, whenever we play a show, um, we have an app on my phone called um, Control Room. Uh, for Reverb Nation, and then we sign people up for our mailing list uh, who really dig the music. We say, like, hey, you know, check out our flyer, and then we give them the option to look at it, but, you know, we can also convey that first step of communication with them, too, um, through through getting their email address and having it um, set in a way so it's like we know where they're from in the area. So the next time we're in town, we can be like, hey, you know, we're going to be in town this date. If you want to check it out, um, feel free to spread the word, and then you're able to create, like, almost like a constituency you know, for your music and start developing your fan base a little bit. So I think that's that's important like when you're touring. Like that's 
that's the whole point because like you want people to hear your music and you want to get out there and no matter if there's like 10 people at a show if there's like 100 people at a show if you're able to engage whoever's at that show like that 10 people could turn into like 50 people the next time you show up you know what i mean because if they really like what you guys do and what you guys are about then it'll really you know start to click now i can appreciate the fact that like just when you're just going out on your first tour you're going to go into the red there's there's no way yeah, you know, just think about it as like a business. I mean, you, yeah. when you start a business, you have to invest money into a business. You know what I mean? The same thing applies with a band. You have to invest money, you know, into what you're doing. You just have to make sure you're doing it in a way that's, you know, smart. And you talk about it and communicate as a band and figure out what you guys want to do. Now, let's say you're um, on your first tour out to the Midwest or something like that. Right. And you really have a very dismal showing. Um is that, can you explain the difference between like, you're just a fledgling band and there's really nothing you could do about it? Or also, let's say you made some mistakes. What are some mistakes that bands make on their first tour? Um, definitely talk with, you know, all the different bands that you're playing with on the tour beforehand to make sure that you communicate with them. And if they're from that area, to let them know that you're touring to let them know that you know you really want them to hang out for your set and you want them to check you out um also uh i would say definitely get your wits about you and just use some guerrilla marketing tactics like um i'm just gonna say like you know through the internet basically everyone is connected now at this point so if you can figure out like what kind of constituency is really into your music and like what kind of listener really listens to you then you can, you know, c cultivate a relationship with those people beforehand in that area. And then really relationships are what sell people on the music now. Like people want to know everything about the artists that they support. Like, you know, whether it's them like, you know, eating toast for breakfast in the morning or, you know, something stupid like that. Like people want to find out what the artists are doing. Like the wall is not there anymore. So if you can just engage them and make sure that they're, you know, the people have some sort of content to keep coming back to whatever you're doing, that's that's really important, you know. Now, what do you say for bands to do on their second visit to, say, the Midwest or the South or I guess we're kind of Coast. figuring that out right now because we're doing that. This is our second visit. So if someone actually is doing it for the third time and wants to call us, that would be cool. <laughs> Um, uh, that's kind of probably not the answer you wanted, but I guess, um, you know, just to make sure you follow up with the people who already saw you the last time. And, uh, I mean, obviously you can't force them to go to your show, but if they really liked it and, you know, they have the capacity to go, then they'll check it out. You know what I mean? Um, and even if they can't check it out, they'll tell other people too. Yeah. And then, uh, it just kind of spreads like that. You know, you just want to build up a small uh, you know, group of listeners in every little town and city that you go to. And um, I feel like that's important. And also to know where the venue is in relation to the town and to know, like, you know, what other bands are playing there beforehand and to know, like, you know, how many people normally go to a show there. If the club itself has a built-in draw, like if there's a club that you're playing and it's like, okay, this is a little town in the middle of Illinois and nobody does anything on Saturday nights except for go to the bar then you're golden, you know, like you play that bar and then you just, you know, you play for 50 or 100, 150 people and then you're, you know, it's it's life as a musician, you know what I mean? So um, it's just 
being very diligent about whatever you're doing and just trying your best to know everything possible that you can beforehand. I mean, there's always going to be something that goes awry. You know what I mean? Like nothing's ever going to go according to plan. And some shows on tour when you first start out, you think will be like the best shows on the tour. And then they end up being like the worst shows on the tour. And then the shows you think that are going to be the worst end up being the best. So it's like, it's kind of sometimes like a crapshoot a little bit. You know what I mean? So, um, just the best way to do it is just to market yourself in a way that like gets yourself out to the people in that area, send flyers to the venue beforehand, you know, send them whatever kind of press materials you can to get people to see the imaging. And then just connect with the bands in the local area. Cause there's really going to be your draw to come into the shows the first couple times you go there. You know what I mean? Do you feel like actually snail mailing people press kits and things like that works better than just being like, yo, check out this link on Facebook or something like that? I mean, I've never really had any success in mailing press kits too much. I mean, most of the people I've been with have done it through online. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're talking about a radio station or something like that, yeah. then that's definitely probably the way to go, like in terms of sending your music over the, yeah. to them, because a lot of them still go through CD to get the music yeah. into the system. So, which is, uh, I mean, th- eventually that'll be phased out too, you know, with digital technology and all that. But yeah. for now, it's still, you know, in place. But, um, yeah, just connect yourself with people in the area. That's really like the key and find find some, you know, find a way to find that constituency in a way that's effective, cheap, and engages the person on their level, on like whatever they're talking about. And then, you know, once you talk to people about whatever they're into, yeah, their defenses lower a little bit. You know what I mean? And they're they're more open to having you talk to them about whatever you're into. Because it's like the idea of like reciprocity. Like if you're, if I'm talking to you, yeah. and then I'm just straight talking to you about whatever I'm doing, and I never ask you a question about whatever you do ever, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, then why am I talking to this person? All they're doing is talking about themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you can really, is it, you want it to be a two-way communication, yeah. you know? So that's really like the key. What types of warnings would you have I'm not. A, I'm not a scientist on this, by the way, man. I'm sure there's lots of people who know lots of other stuff about this kind of thing too. But yeah, but I mean, that's just what I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what, were, what was the next question? Sorry, I didn't mean to. Um, what types of warnings would you have for bands that are getting ready to uh, pick out or rent like a van or a trailer for their tour? Um, I don't know. I mean, our drummer just kind of like sold his his car and got a van. So I don't really know about that. We kind of lucked out with that, I guess. Mm. Um, find something that's cheap but durable and good. You know, if you can afford to get something that's nice, then, you know, go for it, you know. But um, just rough it out the best you can. You know, whatever's going to save you the most money, you know. If you can get, like, a way to have everything in the car with you and not have to rent a trailer and then have something that, you know, like a – like a cargo cap or something, like a big cargo cap that goes on the top of the van or something, then that'll save you money. Because every time you go on a toll, there's like, you know, it costs more money to go through a toll with a trailer as opposed to, you know, as opposed to just having a van or having a car or something. So I feel like that, if you can do that, then that's something. Wait, what did you say, a cargo cap? Yeah, like a cargo cap. Like, have you ever seen one on on a car where it's like you put a bunch of cargo in it and then you Mm. put it on like the top rings of the car and bolts down and whatnot? So if you can get one of those that's kind of big, it'll fit on top of the van and have some stuff in there, that'll so be cheaper. pretty much what could you fit in there, like, yeah, in terms you, of, like, instruments and things like that? 
I don't know how much instruments and stuff, but if you had like some, you know, some wires or a lot of your personal belongings really yeah. would kind of go there. You know, if you had like a book bag or yeah. you had like, you know, uh, you know, any kind of like pillow or whatever, you know what I mean? Like any kind of stuff you would bring on your, by yourself for your personal belongings that normally like, you know, with all the equipment in the van wouldn't fit in there. In addition to that, with all the people, you know, that might make it work out a little bit better and you can save yourself a few dollars by doing that because all those tolls like add up and then if you're renting a trailer costs like you know 25 30 dollars a day to rent a trailer so that's another added expense to have on on the tour if you can cut that out then that's an extra you know 25 or 30 bucks you're saving a day if you're on tour for like 10 or 15 days then it starts to add up a little bit so also won't like uh lugging a trailer in the back of uh, your car or van pretty much uh really eat up gas a lot faster too yeah i mean that's a that's another issue too you know what i mean not only like the tolls but the gas um i mean to begin with you're driving a van so just rule number two about being on a tour you know just accept the fact that gas is expensive and that you know it's just you're driving a van so it's just going to eat gas most of the time you know what i mean unless you have like some new van that i don't really know about that gets like 40 miles a gallon you know what i mean then you're you're pretty much getting anywhere between like you know ten and twenty miles a gallon basically, so um, hopefully closer to the twenty. But uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably important to say too. Like you know, back to the fact that you know when you first start touring, you're not gonna make money. But uh, it's really about exposing your music and putting yourself on a national platform. You know where you can where you can show people like you know we've toured here, we've brought a few heads out for these different shows. You know we've played for some people. And, you know, we're starting to establish ourselves in different areas. You know, it's really about a namesake kind of thing. And also developing a fan base in those areas. And then having them be constantly engaged with your music. Now, can you name drop some of these new territories that you're going to be performing at? Yeah. Um, one of the new areas we're going to be playing in is uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, so, really excited about that. We have a street team up in Milwaukee. And um, people up there have been... You know, so far, and me talking to them have been pretty enthusiastic about the music and, you know, seeing the band. So that'll be uh, August 21st will be in Milwaukee. So, um, and that'll be at a place called uh, the Whammy Bar. Hmm. So, in, like, right in the middle of Milwaukee. So that should be pretty cool. And I believe that's a, I'm trying to think, the 21st is like a Wednesday, I think. So, um... That should be a lot of fun. And uh, Michigan, we're playing two shows in Michigan, too, which we have up on our website, which are going to be the 23rd and the 24th. And um, we'll be doing that as well. I'm trying to think of some other places. We played Rolla last time. We're playing an actual full set there. Last time we went there, we just did a radio interview, like on the air, on an FM station, similar to this kind of thing. But uh, the... um, So we did that. And I'm trying to think of some other places we're we're playing. Uh, We're playing Pittsburgh, so... Like, you know, we didn't do that last time, even though it's a little bit closer than some of the other places that we're going. But, uh, and then we also, I'd just like to announce real quick, we're going to be doing um, two dates uh, with the band uh, Hoobastank, uh, supporting them on their national tour um, for August 30th and 31st. Uh, One of those dates will be in Ohio, and then the other one will be uh, at the Back to School Bash, which is a festival held in Michigan uh, for the second year, I think now. And uh, we'll be playing with other bands like uh, Lit and uh, Alien Ant Farm as well at that music festival. So definitely excited about that, getting to play for, you know, a few thousand people while we perform. Um, 
definitely a valued thing as an up-and-coming artist, um, something that you've really strived for and you work to get that opportunity. And it's just really, we're kind of humbled and really glad that we're able to actually do that kind of thing now and uh, take the next step, you know. How did you make that connection to be able to... Uh open up for uh, such prominent it's, musicians? I guess, I mean, I can't really go into exactly who it is, yeah. but, uh, you know, it, it goes back to this music industry thing where it's like, you know one person, and then, like, you know, that person knows a person, yeah. and then that person knows a person. So it's like kind of like one person we knew knew this other person who books, like, national tours. Yeah. So that person forwarded us to the national tour booking company who searches for... Um, you know, supporting acts for national acts. And um, he forwarded our music and our stuff and our press over to them. And then they kind of, you know, they dug it and they uh, forwarded us over to the people who, you know, handle the booking and the and the press for um, for Hoobastank. And yeah. then um, they really liked it and they, you know, decided that they wanted to bring us uh, on for uh, two dates. So we're really kind of, you know, happy and flattered and humbled by this you know opportunity and uh, it should be something that's really good for the band in terms of getting our music out there and putting us on a national platform and allowing us to um you know do more things like this in the future for sure and get our music out to more people now will this be uh the biggest concert um i mean will this be the biggest um attendance or or will this be the most amount of uh, people you've ever performed for um i mean uh, we're still working on picking which set like we're yeah. going to go on right now. Um, the one set we're offered is at 2.30, and um, that will be playing for uh, at the music festival uh, on the 31st in yeah. Michigan. Would be anywhere between uh, three and 6,000 people. So, I mean, that would be something that we really haven't done before. I and, uh, I mean, I feel like even at music festivals we played before, maybe the most we played for is maybe, I don't know, four... 500 people right or 500 maybe six 700 people yeah um so i mean when you take that up and you just go into like the thousands i mean that's a that's a big jump you know what i mean like it's a big step so definitely really excited and you know just got to practice like you know that much more i mean of course like whenever we play whenever i play anyway i always feel like i'm playing in a stadium so yeah that's the mentality i go into it no matter how many people are at the show i'm always just going to give my all to the performance and it's just this time there will be you know that many people there. So, um, and the other spot we could take is the seven thirty slot, and that would be anywhere between like, you know, eight thousand and like you know fifteen thousand people. So I mean that's that's talking like you're that's an established act. Yeah. You know, playing playing that kind of thing. You know, you you don't get on that if you're not doing something. I guess you know what I mean. So, um, yeah. So really excited about that, and that should really be a lot of fun and. We've been talking to the people who've been putting us on the show, and it sounds like we're gonna move in the direction of doing more things like this in the future as well. So um, more opportunities will be available for sure. Looking forward to that, and uh, yeah, it just happened a couple of days ago. So I'm happy to like announce yeah. it here and like do it, and yeah, you know, uh, should be a lot of fun. Now, will you be got? Will you guys be using your own instruments for this, or will there be like a set? Um, choice of instruments that you guys are assigned to play i don't think there's a set choice of instruments i mean we we're bringing all of our own gear okay. i mean i'm assuming we'll have to route that through whatever you know sound system they have there obviously but um yeah we're bringing our own instruments and then the night that we have before with them is a uh is a club date in ohio where it's like 
the club is something similar to like the electric factory level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like anywhere between like, you know, 1500 and, uh, you know, 3000, 4000 people, something like that. So, uh, I mean, I know it's a big gap, but we're still finding out all the information as this, as this gets presented to us. But, um, so that should be cool too. Um, definitely looking forward to it. And, uh, like if you would have told me this a couple months ago, I would have like jumped and jumped for joy and like, you know, did headstands on my head and just, you know, had a, had a ball with it. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Now, what are some things that you are going to do to cut down on expenses since, um, getting out to Michigan isn't free? (laughs) Um, well definitely like the Indiegogo definitely helped us out a lot. Like, I mean, raising you know 1500 bucks that we didn't have before i mean that's you know that certainly does something for you so um and i've also been working a lot too like trying to raise the money that we're going to need for for different expenses and stuff like that so um it's just about finding whatever way you got to take to do what you know what's best for the band you know what i mean and putting you on that level you know Because once you do an opportunity, something like this, you get over that first hump, you know what I mean? And then other things will start to become presented to you. You know what I mean? Maybe not immediately, but down the road, you know, you get a couple more things like that going on. And then, you know, you keep establishing yourself as an artist, you know, in different areas for different people and meeting different people who are, you know, involved in the music industry. Okay. Yeah. So... Now, pretty much... Did you want anyone else to comment on that, or not really? (laughs) I don't Um, know if they... They're kind of more about, like, the whole playing music part of the thing, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm totally about that, too. I just happen to handle a lot of this other stuff. Mr. Lead Guitarist, what are your feelings on beef jerky? Dan Holden. I love beef jerky. Beef jerky is the best. (laughs) He says this with a piece of beef jerky... Lodged in his mouth. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I love beef jerky. What do you love about it? Can you articulate this 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 love? <laughs> it's quite beefy and got an attitude. Right on. So so you like all things that are beefy and have an attitude? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Just beef jerky. Beef jerky is the only good thing that's like that. I'll let you know. <laughs> really? Do you have some more experience with that? <laughs> I'm no, sorry, I'm just messing with you now. About <laughs> the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> now, Andrew, what yes. are your feelings on this beef jerky? Uh, I feel like it's a uh, marvelous, uh, enriching uh, food. You know, it's just it's uh, it's it's enriching. <laughs> it's enriching and uh, nourishing on uh, and a multiplicity of different levels. <laughs> I enjoy it quite thoroughly. <laughs> you know, I I really feel like today's youth. They don't get enough insane amounts of salt in their diet. I agree. I agree. We should just, you know what? Can we just, as soon as they're born, let's just have like an IV of salt. With liquid beef jerky. Liquid beef jerky constantly being processed through their system. I'm uh, not a doctor, but I think they'd die. (laughs) Uh, But you're not a doctor, so don't listen to him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Does that qualify as my answer for beef jerky? All right. It's good enough for me. All right. That's good. That's good. As long as it's good enough for you. John, thoughts? I I think pretty much everything that can be said about beef jerky has just been said. So. 
Uh, I don't think so. I think you <laughs> have some thoughts. Yeah, I think that we could say more. Just depend- what do you want to know about the beef jerky? Well, I want to know what you think of it. Of this particular beef jerky? Yeah, I mean, what kinds of songs Cactus are you beef. able to compose after eating this types of beef jerky? I mean, you can... Beef jerky. Beef jerky is my friend. Oh. When I eat my beef jerky, when he eats his beef jerky, we listen to Dan's guitar solo. That that's that was our beef jerky song. It's uh, it's uh, been in the works for a while. Yeah, we've been really working hard on that for the past two minutes. <laughs> the past like it's been a quick minute. But yeah. yeah, the beef jerky blues actually is actually what it's called. Yeah. So if you want to download that offline, we'll uh, we'll make that a uh, prize in our next Indiegogo. There you go. That'd be a good one. Uh, Ed needs help at the door, so he needs to get in. And uh, Nick, you, I guess you can stay here and ask him questions. I guess yeah. yeah. Um, Andrew, what song would we like to play next? Um, if we want to play, um, it's time we could do that. Is that from uh, Visions? Nope. No. It's not. Would you like to just play something from Visions? No, no, no. Is that a new one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the name play of it. it is It Is Time. The problem with playing songs from the first record is a lot of them require heavy distortion. And don't translate well acoustically. Yeah, they don't yeah. transfer mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Because um, the, the segments that have power chords, you know, uh, generally that doesn't sound as good on the guitar, you know. Like it sounds a little weak. Yeah, it doesn't have like the thickness behind it that you need that people associate with rock music. Yeah, it's um our, our newer songs are, I think, kind of able to engage themselves in a in a range of different stylings of play. You know, as opposed to just all electric music and stuff like that. These the newer songs translate better to acoustic type playing. Well, tell me a few words about uh, both these songs that you you guys are going to be playing. Um, which one? The first song. Uh, play it's, it's time. It's time. I guess you have to play that. If you want to talk about, you know, a few words about it. Uh, subject wise. Um. <laughs> Andrew, do you have anything to say? About it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I kind of asked you first, John, so you should probably go. <laughs> I mean, you wrote it, so I know what it. it is, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> All right, well, is it is it safe for radio or what, man? No, like, you got me singing these words that I don't even. No, know I mean it, it's it's a kind of a sad song. It's, but you know, right? It's full of bees. It's full of what? Full of what? Bees. Bees. Yeah. Uh. You mean that sting you and? Yeah, repeatedly. It it's really sad. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like it's being locked like in a cell. A car, when you have an old car in the driveway that like, you meant something to you at one point, but you haven't paid attention to it since you got your new car, and so your old car's been in your driveway and it's full of bees. And it's it has a bee's nest. Oh. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. It's my fault. We have to uh, we have to censor ourselves here. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, we'll play the uh, the song. The bee song. The bee song. So this is, it's time. You, uh, you good, Ed? Mr. Flynn? Yeah. Okay, let me just. If you guys can move the mics a little bit closer to your guitar too, Dan, that might work. Like a little, okay. just move it down a little bit more. The sound comes out of this hole. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Alright, you ready? Yep. Yeah. 
my fingers they play on my lord my mind is gone no more do i think i can wait for you my head now it is gone i think it was the gun no more do my racing thoughts betray me Let's fill the holes where my thoughts could roam And now my thoughts are filled with empty shells Dreaming's always for fools I don't got time to waste a day no more, no more, no more All things are said and done I got no more to say I got no more to say Ooh. I'm sinking deeper now in thoughts that pull me down And soon I won't be able to breathe again And please forgive me love I hear the call above We'll be together again when it is time Time to waste a day No more, no more, no more All things are said and done I got no more to say Dreaming's a waste for fools I don't got time to waste a day no more, no more, no more Ooh. All things are said and done I got no more to say I got no more to say
that's kind of like our song it's time and i don't know if we really have that like recorded anyway really anywhere just, just me on a guitar i think just on just john laptop. on a guitar yeah. yeah so it'd be cool to get a recording of that that would be cool yeah. um but uh that's one of our newer songs and uh that's kind of like the one of the styles style ranges that we're going for uh, what would you describe it as john i'm not sure i think it's a it's a sort of grunge sounding stp nirvana you know kind of a an homage to uh like kind of early 90s rock right um but uh that's the way that i originally wrote it just me on the guitar and the lyrics are kind of like that but i think what what um dan and ed both added kind of changes that a little bit and kind of gives it a new feel like it has a somewhat more alternative radiohead sound slash like you know kind of like post rock ish like with the guitar line in there too kind of reminds me of that kind of a thing Definitely, we're. I think we're playing around with more ambient sounds for, you know, st- still um, like specific song structures that are, you know, kind of rooted in, in rock and roll, but, but you know, more ambient sounds going along with them too. You know, the, the way a lot of bands kind of have moved towards, you know, Radiohead and right. Minus the Bear and all those types of bands. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like the direction of your band, it's going in a more acoustic-friendly? atmosphere as opposed to like a more electric sounding um, uh, performance or I don't I don't think necessarily like that song I wrote it on an acoustic guitar so I think it lends itself well to an acoustic performance but when we play it uh, live I mean I think it sounds like a rock song you know and it sounds good electric yeah it just it has a different feel you know I, I feel like a, a lot of our newer music lends itself to being able to be played both electric and acoustic which is something that you know is an added element to a song you know what I mean it, and it 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 gives a different feeling to to a song and gives a different um, texture to the sound and obviously like a you know a, a different yeah. sound you know I, I, I mean? think with the especially even on the first record a lot of the songs have kind of a, a mixture of distortion and clean and I think the um uh, not clean, I mean uh, acoustics, but also clean guitar. But it, it creates a certain amount of attack with the distortion, but also clarity that doesn't come through unless you have, you know, that other track over top of it. So uh, I think a lot of it is just about layering and, and creating interesting tones that are complex and, you know, you enjoy listening to. Right. Yeah, I think, like, it's, you know, about how you, like, you know, pan different parts here and there and then recording and you know, how you mix it and how you layer it has a lot to do with it, too. You know, like he was saying. I see. Now, how about uh, throwing out another uh, acoustic track for us? All right. Another song? Yeah. What do you guys want to play? Can you play another new one? Uh, Yeah, I I guess so. Like a a newer-ish one. (laughs) What do you want? I guess. You want to do these drops or something? You could do that, yeah. Or do you want to do Dystopia? That's not new. That's certainly new. You want us to play a new song? Well, anything uh, that wasn't played here uh, back in January. Okay, I don't think we Or at that Battle of the Band show. I don't think we played this out there either. Yeah. All right. So this is a song we've probably probably been playing for about a year or so now, but it's not really recorded in in, uh, you know any way other than the live performance. But um, yeah, it's uh, interesting, and you know after we play the song, we'll explain a little bit what it's about. But hope you enjoy it.
drops they sting, they know us all. These tears are lickings out my face. Null hands and wrap my ragged, ragged skull. My head is empty, filled with time's waste. Oh, 
God laughs at me from hell. Hey, yeah, yeah. From hell. Your name's on my Lord Hears me now in vain And so these days they hear me well My Lord laughs at me from hell I keep on calling out your name So my Lord hears me now in vain And so these days they hear me well My Lord laughs at me from So that was a song called These Drops. That was These Drops. Indeed. Now, was that written by one of you guys, or was it like a team effort? I mean, it was written by John, yeah. I'm not sure. We didn't really add any new parts to it, really. Yeah, maybe some of Ed's bass lines. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, that's that's it. I guess, John, do you want to talk about the song a little bit? Uh, So the song is about, um, it's basically about anxiety. You know, uh, it's mostly about like panic attacks and and feeling alienated and kind of lost in your own head. And uh, sometimes when you're in that mindset, it's like the walls are kind of closing in on you and you can't really breathe. And, um, and th- kaiju. What's that? And kaiju running around Tokyo. <laughs> what? Wait, what's going on in Tokyo? The, kai, kaiju is that the word for it? Kaiju. Yeah. Yeah, this means giant monster. It's like Godzilla. You know, yeah, yeah, John. Like Pacific Rim. How many problems do you have with like crazy monsters from Tokyo? I I'd he doesn't say, have any actually. I don't think. <laughs> well, that's what you think. Is he lying? <laughs> <laughs> I I I clearly don't know. Um, mm. That's I guess. Well, what did you say, Nick? Well, like we'll get past the giant monsters, but tell me though, um, anything else you you really want to touch on about, about the song? song? Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, so what I wanted to d- do with it. Uh, was to make it kind of... I mean, it doesn't quite sound the way I intend for it to sound with acoustic guitars, but to to kind of have that uh, feeling of, like, the edge of your consciousness, you know? Like, it's it's very airy, very spacey sounding at points. And and I, I think that, that kind of came about uh, because of Dan's line that he wrote for the song over top of it. It really has that feel. And I think it kind of captures, like... Uh, just how fluid your thoughts could be sometimes like th- they're not always consistent and it's and it's hard to know exactly what what you're feeling and what you're thinking and i, I think that's what this song uh tried to capture what would you do with this song if you had an electric setup here right now w- well the parts that dan plays especially i mean they sound really nice with you know the electric guitar the harmonics and all does it doesn't quite have the same feeling with the acoustic but yeah it's, um, that's the main difference Spacey effects, yeah. Wah, just delay, just reverb, just to make it feel zombie. more far away, yeah. more distant. Some uh, use uh, my whammy pedal to like make some of the like harmonics sound like like this note has also got 
like an like that over top of it, and yeah. it sounds like since it's like not good at reading that, it gives us a really creepy sound to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really adds like kind of like a lot of layering and depth. But I I feel like it's something said to be said about the song. Like you know when when we play it acoustic, it definitely has a full sound still. Yeah. Like it, it has it lends itself well to acoustic in the way that it's it's arranged and you know yeah. how the there's a lot of picking styles and like you know intricate little parts like throughout the song. Yeah, is there, it's definitely an intricate song. Is there any way to figure out if like a song will really do well being an acoustic song before you actually play it acoustically? I mean, well, a song like this, I mean, they're written first with all of us just with acoustic guitars, probably, ah. and then we yeah. brought them to the band. You know, yeah, that's kind of actually how a lot of our music gets written. Like, we'll like either Dan or John will like start you know p- putting a song together on acoustic guitar and like that's how they'll just hang out in their house and just you know play song guitar or bass or you know john will play songs on the piano and um we'll just kind of like you know that'll be like the structural foundation of the song or it could be like uh you know the whole song just written like they just had it all in their mind and they just give the different parts to the different members and you know when someone else plays it it becomes like a different line almost you know what i mean because everyone has their own like feel of like playing a song you know like it has like their own style with it you know what i mean so it's you can pick up on like the little intricacies intricacies of that kind of thing but yeah when you actually bring these songs to your drummer how often do uh the songs get changed uh hopefully not at all (laughs) 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 um Um, a lot of times i have ideas for drum parts in my head you know yeah i'm one for simplistic drumming a lot of the time uh because i like uh, some of my favorite bands like the beatles and pink floyd a lot of what they do is you know the drums really just kind of keep a foundation and and the the layers of the different instruments and they use you know both of those bands use a lot of different tones uh, t- to create a really big sound that you don't need really complicated drums necessarily you know it might might just detract from the overall quality of the song yeah. I see yeah I would I would say that you know it's our drums for some songs they definitely sound big and there's definitely parts where you know we can have you know drums that are accenting like a part and are a big part of that piece but uh with the drums it's just about keeping the foundation and making sure everyone's solid in the groove of of, of the tune you know so pretty much a, about a hundred percent of your songs are written acoustically first right i wouldn't say necessarily a hundred percent um yeah i don't know about a hundred percent but i, I mean there are definitely some songs you know you jam them on the guitar and you start coming up with some ideas and then a song is born yeah and then, like, you know, other songs where we'll, like, you know, jam at practice and just come up with a song and then it'll evolve over time as we jam on it. You know what I mean? I see. So, like, oh, well, this would be cool if we went to this chord or, you know, this might be interesting if we did this. So that's, that's you know, there's no real, like, set structural thing, like, when you have to come up with a song. Like, you know, it can be come, you can come up with it in, like, a variety of different ways. So that's always good to keep open, I think. What was the fastest song Shadowplay ever recorded? Probably Ghost Train. <laughs> Probably Ghost Train, yeah. That was like written a week before we went into the studio. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. It was <laughs> I mean the parts have been around forever, but yeah. it is you know very quickly assembled. Yeah, for sure. I mean it was kinda like just we um had a couple parts together and, you know, got the song together, put the lyrics out and just banged it out like some other songs take like year two years yeah Yeah, to like you know finish because it's just like it's either about like you know 
that we don't have the right part like you know like it doesn't yeah. fit yet like and it's all about like making it making sure that like this is the right way that we want it to be and a lot of sometimes that won't come to your head you know for a while yeah. you know but yeah that's what I would say about that I see now can do a couple of those I guess um did I ask you um either 17 or 18 yet 17 or 18 we have a list of questions here. Listen, people on the <laughs> on the radio. Um, for underground, I don't think you did. No. Okay. Well, this will be number seventeen. <laughs> Let's go with number seventeen. I hope I have the correct answer. Yeah. For underground <laughs> bands, can you define a list of prerequisites on the what they should do before having a physical release of their demo or debut album? Um, no pressure. No pressure. Okay. Um, just asking for the keys to the kingdom right there. I would just say. <laughs> I'd say uh, make sure you like your music a lot and you've rehearsed it really well. That's all I gotta say. Like if you don't, if you're not happy with your own songs, then no one else should be. You know. Yeah. So, like, um, make sure you're really, you know, passionate about your music and you know. Talk to people about it, and um, definitely try to network yourself, and you know, Practice, yeah, get the play the songs live, see yeah. what how people respond to. Think about, uh, I don't know, just you know, does the song feel like it deserves to be put out there? And you probably say yes to most songs. Some songs will be like, no, that song's stinky. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's it's about having the you know the right songs that you think like you know fit your band sound and really what you're trying to achieve musically. Um, and you know and in your message too as well you know that's important um but and also just make sure you know you're actively engaged in any kind of like internet media or anything like that or any kind of thing that is good for independent bands so um try to think outside the box when you're thinking about marketing yourself and just you know try to think of new ideas that work for you and also research like what other bands are doing too as well like you know to figure out like what oh that might work for us it might be something good that we could do you know depending on what they're doing um so that's definitely something good and uh you know just talk to people who you think would have your musical interests in mind um who listen to similar music because really music at the end of the day like when you're talking about it in terms of being career it's it's a product you know what i mean it's something that's yeah. you know sold or you know gets to something that's sold whether it's you know you give your music away to people and then they come to see you live i mean the product there is you playing live so i mean at somewhere down the road you have like a product and uh you know just about getting that product to be as well as possible you know have good album art have you know some good photography um for your band and something that stands out like amongst the pack because there's just so many bands out there so you want to make sure that you you are putting yourself in a position that is both promotionally wise and you know the music is wise as well so that people will really be engaged with it because you can have like the best music ever in the world but you know if you don't have like your your marketing stance set up and you're not engaged in social media and Facebook and actively looking for new ways to utilize that type of technology, you know, it's going to be very difficult to get that kind of stuff out there. So, Also, thinking back on uh, albums of years uh, recorded in the studio in the past, what type of advice would you give young bands on what to do and what not to do when recording their debut album? Um, 
Make sure you have enough money to record it. Make sure you, you're you not... This It's really about how much you know the song before you go into it, so don't go into the studio with a song that you don't really know. Right. I, th- yeah. I think it's also important to not think that when you go into the studio, there's going to be some sort of magic that's going to happen. You need to have the idea of the sound for the song very much established in your head. Yeah, before you go in. And the different parts that you want for it and not, you know, not waste your time fiddling. Uh, With sounds that yeah. you didn't ex- like anticipate would be in there. So, so, like, your tones and your instrumentation, your arrangements and everything, they should be really down pat, you know. Uh, I think it's also important, especially for our first album, to basically try to capture your live sound more so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I think as uh, we don't know yet because we haven't really done another album yet. But I think as we go along, we'll do more things that are more you know kind of studio tricks. Mm-hmm. But it it takes time to learn that, and um, it's important to to not squander your time the first you know album. Yeah, because most bands like you know when you first record yeah, your record, you won't, you won't have the time or the money. Yeah, to, to do squander that. anything. Right, like it's yeah. all like important. Right, so just have a really clear idea of what you're trying to do, like before you go into the studio, and um, you know, just make sure you have like the marketing in place and the time in place to you know market the record and have people listen to it. Now, can you explain when you're wasting your time in the studio and if there's a difference than just pausing for a little bit? Well, wasting your time is like if you go into the studio and then you sit there for two hours, like trying to change the guitar tone to get it just right the way you're hearing in your head and you you know um and then a lot of times you don't end up getting it anyway you know and you just wasted two hours worth of studio time and you would only have like a 12-hour session or something right yeah yeah so really what it is is you should have done that before you came into the studio you know and right and get those things out of the way because it just costs you money and it's and it's also really frustrating to be you know sitting there waiting for someone to get that done 